this is Aoife Dean and welcome to the Happy Weight Podcast. Today I'm so happy that I managed to twist one of my best friend's arms and get her on this podcast. So Katrina, my Bessie, she's um, a senior pediatric dietitian. Um, she's currently in CUH and prior to that she was a senior dietitian in the UK and in, in Australia. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, pediatric dietetics because um, I just thought there was a few shows and stuff that I had to do and I got on to Katrina to pick her brain on, you know, moms asking me questions about their kids diet and stuff. And I was just really fascinated um, with the links, basically, um, between, you know, kind of what Katrina does um, with children and what I do with adults. So hello, Katrina. <laughs> Thanks for dragging me on. <laughs> um, and <Twisting> my arm. <laughs> we currently have baby Ava here as well. Um, so, yeah. Um, listening in intently. Yeah, she's listening in. She's gorgeous <laughs> with her big blue eyes. Um, so Katrina, I suppose the first thing I wanted to ask, you know, what, what are the worst case scenarios basically that you see <laughs> with parents and feeding their kids and you're kind of like, oh my God, this isn't going to lead to good things in the future. Um, I suppose, look, there's a massive range, isn't there? But I suppose the most common issues that you would see is that, um, um, spectrum from fussy eaters or children who don't eat enough food as perceived by their parents to children who overeat, I guess, you know, on the other end of the spectrum and yeah. children who are um, classified as overweight or even obese for their age. So um, weight concerns, underweight and overweight would be the most common kind of concerns from parents alongside fussy eaters. So I suppose you can have a child who's a fussy eater and is underweight or you can have a child who's classified as a fussy eater and is overweight for their age and so what you're saying there about it's the parents perception I'm guessing is that a big one it's it's massive because you won't really know um whether your child is growing in in a healthy way I guess unless mm. you are monitoring their their weight and height yeah so um compare and we're all guilty of it but um comparing your child's weight to somebody of a similar age is probably a, a big mistake that parents will often make because yeah. there's massive variation and doesn't that just go for all of us so like yeah. you know it's just like this is the whole thing I and mean, like there's just so many similarities it's yeah. like why would you even compare it's just the full cycle you know between what i do with the younger children and what you do with older adults it's it's all linked isn't it yeah so um yeah, so that would be the two kind of main, I suppose, areas that we would we would commonly see. And that's for, you know, that's for children who are out in the community and what you might classify as um, children that aren't living with a health condition. So there'll obviously be children that will become outside of that spectrum that have health conditions and, yeah. you know... Um, will have val validated concerns about their weight and their eating. Totally. And like, how have things changed? Because, oh, hello. Sorry. Um, how have things changed since you've had your three gorgeous babas? Like, what, like, was there any kind of preconceived notions you had just learning dietetics in college and dealing with patients? And then that's all changed now that you're an actual, actually a mom. I suppose it's... Um Look, it's reinforced some of the stuff that I'd learned as a dietitian in terms of how to manage children with fussy, fussy eating or um, weight issues because I have three children now myself and definitely one of them would probably 
come under the, the picky eating side of things and one of them come under the likes to eat everything that goes around. Um, so it's probably just reinforced a lot of the strategies, strategies that I learned um, and that they actually do work. They honestly oh, do work. Oh, wow. Yeah, they do. So what are, because I'm guessing none of these strategies are that they're starving kids in Africa and stuff. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, look, and I suppose that's something that we grew up with. And um, looking, look, it came from a good place. It did, it? always, yeah. Um, and it came from, we all, many of us grew up in large families and finances would have been in a different place to where they would be now. Mm-hmm. So food waste was a big concern, I suppose, for our parents. Yeah. And, eating out and eating restaurants that was a once in a blue moon kind of thing really wasn't it yeah. so if you know our parents saved a bit of money and they afforded to go out for a meal and your children then didn't eat the meal you can imagine how annoying that would have been for absolutely them. so it's understandable and um but we can kind of you know we've learned a lot from that now but at the same time I suppose we're in a situation now where climate change and food waste is still kind of on the forefront, but in a different context in terms of environmental issues as opposed to financial issues. Mm -hmm. So I think the food waste is still there. Mm -hmm. It's still a concern. And um, we can kind of talk about that in more detail later. But um, that, you know, finish your plate kind of thing. I think it's probably is still there, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. So so basically, I'm guessing that the new techniques are kind of smarter and get it get around it in a kind of different way like yeah I think look I think the main thing that I think people get bogged down in in the moment and um they forget to kind of look at the bigger picture Mm -hmm. so what you need to think about is whether you have one child or, or five children you're going to be cooking a or providing your children with a lot of meals and snacks for the next what 16 18 years yeah so you can do the maths yourself but it's going to be thousands so you kind of have a choice now in terms of do you want those meals to be mainly positive experiences for your children around food or do you want them to be you know full of nagging and bribing to eat and fights fights yeah and um there is a choice there to be had as to how you want to approach it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably what I think people um, might be worth, you know, thinking about is looking at the bigger picture and is asking your child or pushing them to say, you know, eat three more carrots. Really, what's that going to achieve? I remember you picture? saying that because it's kind of like, you know, even say the calorie content of yeah. eating three more spoons of carrots. Like, it's not going to put you here nor there really, is it? Like, so it for for the sake of how a mealtime, you know, if you're trying to keep mealtimes relaxed and um, a positive experience, if you spend that whole time nagging your kid to eat a couple more spoonfuls, you know, you have to think which is the better approach of the two. Yeah, and I think that kind of is similar to my work as well with clients because it's kind of like if there's been so much pressure about weight or issues, mm. it's kind of like all the crack has gone out of it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's the opposite of loving food. It's yeah. almost being scared of it and yeah. either like resenting the fact you have to eat healthy stuff yeah. or resenting the fact that this unhealthy stuff is taunting you and you want to eat it like so you so I suppose from childhood you want to get away from it being a negative experience definitely and I think you can you know you can think about anything in life like for example 
teaching your child to ride a bike or um, even for us, if you have to go and do a work presentation or something, what's going to put you in the best state of mind to do that? And is it going to be somebody nagging you to do it or putting pressure on you and saying, you know, come on, just get on the bike and just go, go, go or something like that as opposed to somebody who's presents a more relaxing less pressurizing environment you'll probably perform better in the latter of the two this is it and i remember we were saying before as well like you pointed out to me there's something weird about be a good girl and finish your plate isn't there like there's something weird about that because it's kind of like if the child is uncomfortable yeah like there's something weird about teaching them that it's a good thing to override that what does it actually even mean yeah it's confusing two very different things isn't it Mm. in terms of behavior um you're you're mixing a child's behavior with their ability to listen to their internal signals of fullness yeah which is kind of bizarre when you really think about it it is and and i think in adult weight problems there that that's where it kind of can all go wrong because we're we're trying to keep absolutely everyone else happy where they're trying to keep the slimming club happy or yeah what our mom said or you know yeah. it's but it's 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 all the opposite of the internal guidance yeah yeah gee yeah i know it's it's when you start thinking about it really you can kind of see where you know problems can come later on in life i suppose and that's not to say that everybody because most of us grew up with that probably approach of kind yeah of, and that's not to say every single person then goes on to become doomed overweight <laughs> or anything um, like that yeah but i think it's just to say that we have a choice in terms of how we approach feeding with our children and it doesn't need to necessarily be that way. And if you choose a different way, which we can talk about, um, your child isn't going to be any worse off for it. So the alternative way then is just positive, 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 is it? Yeah. So number one, you have to, you have, to have I suppose, realistic expectations about children and, and eating. And... Um, you know, especially small children, small children are, and young children are notorious for a very inconsistent eating pattern, which means that they might not eat breakfast today, they might not eat lunch, and then they each eat their afternoon snack, and then they don't eat dinner, and then they eat breakfast tomorrow, but they don't eat. So it's kind of this thing There's of... There's no rhyme or reason. No, it's just completely random. But that's interesting because I think under the age of four, kids are most self-regulated and their weights tend to be more... Yeah. Um, healthy for their body or whatever yeah. and that's interesting because with my clients I'm always like if you're being unique there should be, there's probably no rhyme or reason to when you need food or what food or what amount so yeah. that's quite similar there too isn't yeah, it exactly so I think having an understanding of that is pretty important in the early years especially um, children probably get a bit more consistent as they get older then and they're you know they're more likely to to eat small amounts at most meals or snacks mm-hmm. um but definitely the the smaller children the toddler age group would say are notorious for that kind of approach to eating yeah um um so so that's probably number one is having kind of realistic expectations number two then is looking at how your daytime is structured so small children, it might be a bit different to some of the advice you might use with mm, adults. Yeah. But small children do benefit from, I suppose, the structured routine yeah. of eating um, and being offered meals and snacks. So that might look like um, a set rough time for breakfast, rough time for morning snack, lunch, afternoon snack, dinner, and often a bedtime snack as well. Yeah. So what you're doing there is you're giving them six, five or six opportunities in the day 
to to have some food basically but that's that's kind of relevant to the adult stuff too because it's the idea that there's not enough food around is what kind of creates chaotic mm. eating so mm. those kids know that sure there'll be more later exactly. there'll be more so there's a yeah. sense of security there so they don't need to like yeah. pre-eat loads because they know the routine exactly and that works for both children who are um underweight for their age or overweight for their age so that you're teaching them that it's it's you know you're being offered this meal or snack now and if you're not hungry for it that's fine because something else is coming two hours down the line yeah because isn't there some kind of real catchy little phrase that like it's just your job to offer something is it the parent provides child decides that's it parent provides child decides like that so your your job is kind of like exposure isn't it lots and lots of exposure of different foods yes exactly so that term was coined by an american dietitian ellen satter so if anyone wants to look her up she's got an excellent website um ellen satter institute and she, her kind of approach, I guess, is this um, term parent provides. So the parent looks, you know, provides the, the what, when and where of food. So I might decide for lunch today, we're going to have, I don't know, a ham sandwich with yogurt and with vegetable sticks on the side. And I'll decide what time we're going to have that at and where. So kitchen table might be a picnic in the garden, might be at the playground, wherever. And then the child decides if and how much so if they're going to eat it and how much they they're going to eat so that's the hard part i suppose just kind of like staying cool when they don't go near it kind of thing and it is the hard part and we've all been like i'd be lying if i said that you know i haven't sometimes taken part in the little bit of the nagging and um not you know the kind of um in strong encouragement we'll say to eat yeah um but I think if you're aware of yourself doing that a lot of the time you you, you might want to ask yourself why are you doing that and what is it about the is the structure not quite right um have you unrealistic expectations of what your child can eat um and maybe look at ways to to change the approach mm-hmm. I suppose you need to think about what what is the goal so for most people, their goal with their goal with children's eating is, I want them to finish this plate of food at this moment in time, mm-hmm. and really, you're you're probably better off looking at the bigger picture. Um, back to kind of what I said earlier in terms of how many meals and snacks you're going to be providing your child for the next x amount of years. So for me, the goal is that the child comes to the meal, to the dinner table or to the meal time relaxed as possibly can be mm. um well rested so that looks that's going back to your kind of structure and you know your routine especially if you've smaller children god you can see that from the kids point of view like it'd be awful to feel loved all day and day and then feel like the enemy at dinner time yeah. you know coming yeah. in tail between your legs yeah. being like oh i'm gonna mess all this up for exactly. everyone that'd be so sad but also in terms of how you learn you know how anybody learns a new skill um in life are you are you more likely to take it on if you're in a relaxed state of mind or if you're flustered and anxious or you know worried mm-hmm. so the goal i think is is for the child to be as relaxed as possible and they will be relaxed if they know they're not going to be nagged for the whole meal time they're not going to be pushed you know um punished if they don't eat so if you don't eat your vegetables you're not allowed to play with whatever mm. um 
So that's always my kind of go-to, especially at those tricky mealtimes, because in reality, it's not, it's not going to be all harmony that everyone just comes and sits down and it's all zin. When you have small children, it's probably going to be chaos. So the goal isn't that they need to finish their plate. The goal is that it's a lovely eating experience for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. And that you are role modeling um, what mealtimes can look like. So maybe have an image in your head of what a positive or good mealtime would look like. And that the best way to think of that is think of, you know, how do we how do we celebrate events in life, christenings, weddings, graduations? We go for a meal. Yeah. So picture what those mealtimes look like. There are people having it's usually not even about the food. It's about how people interact with each other, isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's a fun experience. It's positive. Um, and children will take all that in. And so. to be fair as well, in celebrations and stuff, there is a bit of everyone doing their own thing too. Yeah. Completely, isn't yeah. there? Like like you say, the focus isn't actually on food. Her, but who's, it's, what's, what's she ordering or who's getting starters, who isn't? Yeah. Who's getting dessert, who isn't? In fact, there's probably hardly, all you might say is, this is, tastes good or yeah. Um, but can you imagine in that scenario if the chef or if the restaurant owner came over halfway through and said, come on, come on, guys, hurry up. Oh, grim. Hurry up. Yeah. Wouldn't it ruin it? Absolutely. Because then it yeah. becomes a should. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm always saying that to clients, too. Like the minute anything is a should, it's game over, really, yeah. because, yeah. you know, we've all got enough on our plate without adding more shoulds when it comes to food or exercise yeah. or whatever. Exactly. You've killed the experience. So um, I think when you're amongst the chaos and you're you can hear yourself saying come on just two more bites or four more carrots or whatever just go back to the is is my child in a relaxed state at this moment in time and if they aren't you know you might want to think about why they aren't and work backwards so why have they come to the table in that state oh my god that's the same with adults though Mm. because when you think about it it's kind of like do you actually like need need a hug or need to tell yourself, well done, geez, today was hard? Or do you yeah. need more food in your belly? Like sometimes they're different. Sometimes maybe a little, but some food will help that situation. But, you know, it, it would be mm. kind of maybe unfair on you if there was a load going on emotionally and you yeah. didn't do anything about it in it. That's a little bit unfair yeah. too. So I suppose it's the same with kids, isn't yeah. it? If you just ignore the emotion and be like, shut up, it's dinner time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, gee, that's yeah. mad. And what's the crack with um, dessert? I remember you saying, that blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so different. So I suppose um, what we're, you know, food is in abundance now, isn't it? Yeah. So really... Um, one of our jobs as parents is, and our children are, are statistically going to live till they're, what, 90 or 100 years old. So they have a long life, hopefully, ahead of them living alongside food. So our job is to teach them how to be relaxed around that food, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So that when they go to parties um, or whatever, they don't gorge on all the, what would we say, junk foods. or Oh my um, God, so many stories mm-hmm. of that growing up, isn't there? Mm-hmm. People like... I can't say my family. I think my family were definitely part of that, but like no sweets at home and then getting sick after parties and stuff. Yeah. So that's back to, again, you want your kids to be relaxed around those kind of foods. And neutral, I suppose, to all foods, like whether it's pineapple or a Mars bar, it's like they're all yummy kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, you might have heard the term, you know, food is morally neutral. It's not good or bad. There's no morals attached to food. Yeah. 
Um, so what I, you know, what I would say is the nutrition decisions as the parent, they get made in the supermarket. So when I go to do my done shop, super value, whatever, I'm the one who decides what goes in the trolley and I'll decide, you know, what percentage of it is your everyday food. So your breads and your vegetables, your fruit, your dairy, dairy alternatives, all that stuff. And how much I'm going to add in of biscuits or ice cream, whatever. Because it's for you and your partner too. Like, I suppose, does that ever become an issue that you see parents completely losing out on eating for the sake of what their kids want and stuff? Does that happen? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And yeah, I think so. But Mm. I mean, what you're looking at there is... um, that you as the adult are making the the nutrition decisions. It's not for a child. They, you know, adults even struggle to make those decisions, yeah. don't they? So, so that's back to that's the provision. That's made at the supermarket. You're yeah. doing all the provision. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then when you come home, um, that that's already been decided. And, you know, so if I know that, um, for example, our house will only have a minimal amount of biscuits or whatever there so it doesn't really over the course of the week then you want to add those foods in kind of randomly mm-hmm. um that's nice so you're not doing friday nights and saturday no, nights no, like no excellent not really it could be no. any time no so it might be tuesday we might have for example roast chicken for dinner and we're gonna have ice cream for dessert and i've made that decision yeah i'm always saying that to my clients though because it's kind of like you know, your bladder doesn't know it's a bank holiday weekend. Neither does your stomach. Yeah. Like, do you know, why Why would it be any different in your body's environment? It's yeah. either a welcome time for the food or it's not. Or it's not. Yeah, you know, exactly. So um, that's, that's, again, part of the parent provides child decides approach, isn't it? Yeah. And is there something then about giving dessert at the same time or something? Yeah, so... That's, again, going back to Ellen Satter, that's an approach that she includes. And I do and do some, sometimes I I do that, sometimes I don't. But basically what you're looking at is um, when you do give dessert, you would give it as part of the meal. So you might serve up the roast chicken dinner um, and you might put a small portion of the dessert alongside it. So, and I've done this with my own children and actually it actually does work. Does it? So often they will eat the dessert or start to eat some of the desserts first but then they'll go back to the main dinner because if they if their belly's still empty they'll yeah. they'll they'll eat yeah. the rest yeah so, so i don't do that all the time i have to say but sometimes i will i will do that and it's everyone should actually try it out because it's an interesting way of trying it but the key is that you're given a small portion of the dessert you're not given an absolute massive portion so that they do fill up on it okay so the the dessert and the dinner plate is like taster but there isn't actually more afterwards exactly yeah Ah. exactly um and another approach that you can use there is um you know the family family style self-serving approach where instead of you dishing up all the foods onto the plate you might put it in the middle of the dining table so everyone can help themselves Mm -hmm. um that's good for those really kind of problem feeders who you know might have a meltdown if they see a pee on their plate just freaks them out like Yeah. yeah yeah So, so that's the you're giving them a bit of autonomy there too. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for them to choose um what they feel comfortable with. So and then in terms of encouragement, isn't it that like even if they try it, that's a plus? Yeah, I mean again, um yeah, definitely. Uh, like what you're thinking about is the steps to eating. 
So um, there's an American psychologist, Kate Toomey, and she has a um, a kind of a an approach to to eating, like a step, a six step approach. So the first one is tolerates. So basically, if can the child tolerate? Let's give the example of carrot. Can they tolerate carrot in their environment? Because some children will walk into a kitchen wow. and if they smell or see a food, they may or may not, they might gag. Oh, God. They might vomit at the sight of it. Yeah. These are children with more severe feeding issues. Yeah. So the majority of children will tolerate most foods in their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next, you know, you work your way up the steps, basically, which includes um, interacts with a food. So are they happy to you know, do you want to touch, do you want to touch your carrot? And then that's it. That's no pressure to do anything else. Um, mm, I'm smelling my carrot. What does yours smell like? Mine smells sweet. Um, do you feel comfortable maybe uh, licking it or tasting it? My carrot is crunchy. So you're kind of using descriptive words to, um, when you're talking about food, is it soft, crunchy, big taste? So instead of, you know, if they say, oh, yuck, Oh, does it have a big taste or a little taste? So little taste is going to be more accepting. But that's very um kind of light too. And you're, yeah. you're both on an adventure. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And kids love that kind of thing. So um, you're kind of on their level in terms of how they're approaching life, I suppose. You know, a very stepwise approach. And some kids will go straight to the eating without needing to do the steps. But some kids will stay in the steps for weeks or years. That's mad because when I'm um, kind of saying stuff to clients, sometimes I say, like, imagine you're an alien dropped from outer space. And, like, you're now just witnessing how your tongue reacts to the food and how your belly reacts to the food. Like, you've no prior knowledge. Because, you know, if our head is so messed up with Mm. good and bad foods and diets, it's like we're not really in the experience so Mm. and I think I might have got that from you because I remember you kind of saying like in fairness to a little one you know like they're like what the hell is this like yeah exactly like yeah like think if you went to Vietnam or somewhere and you were served or France and you were served snails you know what would be the steps to to get you to eating the food would it be somebody saying come on just have it just try it or nagging you to have it or would it be, you know, a relaxed environment, number one, watching other people eat that food and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, you know, kind of looking, you know, exploring it, touching it first, smelling it. If you felt like comfortable enough, you might lick it or taste a little bit. And the final step would be eating it then. And I, I like how, so is there any kind of... Is there any golden rule on you have to try it like X amount of times before you like it? The, I suppose the evidence says, you know, 10 to 15 times, but every child is different. So um, I know it. one of my boys, say, for example, eggs, eggs can be kind of a, a bigger taste food, we'll say, stronger mm-hmm. taste. And it took three years and now we'll have eggs a couple of times a week. Wow. And that was just pure repeated exposure. Just just like yep. taking a bit or smelling it yep. or... Yeah, and maybe not even doing that. And then one of one day just deciding he was going to eat the whole thing. And it's re- repeated exposure as well because he sees you yep. and Darren eating them away probably. Yep. And then he's like, okay. Yep. Repeated know. exposure, but it needs to be positive. It needs to be repeated positive exposure. Gee. Um, and then another thing I wanted to ask is I remember you kind of um, kind of saying that sometimes people make like a big deal too much out of veg, like in terms of they'll say like, oh, my kid doesn't like peppers. And you're like, 
that's not the be all and end all if they don't like peppers. Mm. So mm. what's the kind of thing there? Like how many veg do they kind of need to like or Look. how does it go? <laughs> I suppose if you think about how we grew up, we probably had about what 30 foods in our It was the same stuff, wasn't it? Repeated? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was potato, meat and veg for 20 years. And it was cabbage, carrots and peas or whatever. Yeah. Like veg wise yeah. was pretty limited. <laughs> yeah, we did fine. So if I'm assessing somebody's diet, I'll go through the food group. So um i'll go through um protein foods so red meat chicken uh fish your beans lentils that's one food group your carbohydrate grainy foods so your breads pastas rice your dairy and dairy alternatives um your fruit and vegetables and i'll just see if somebody has a range of foods from all the food groups and are fruit and vegetables one group no we well no we don't we talk about them separately so you'll have many kids that don't eat many you know, foods from the vegetable group, but they'll end up getting enough nutrients from the fruit group. And that's okay? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So you're looking at, again, your job is really just um, that, you know, that relaxed approach um, and thinking about the bigger picture. So it could take years for a child to accept a new food. It might take weeks. It just depends on the personality. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're worried, obviously, that it's gone beyond simple fussy eating that it's kind of gone into the realms of a problem feeder yeah that's when you need to speak to your gp about that and how often does it kind of you know because because like we said it's all pretty understandable if a kid is you know either listening to their body or Mm. you know slow to trust stuff that's all makes total sense but like how common is it then that they're running rings around the parents or it's more like attention or yeah look um it sounds awful but any attention is good attention and that's not to say that a child who isn't getting enough attention is going to act up in a different way to receive but children will accept any any sort of attention it's all good so even if they're being given out or getting attention at the table for all the wrong reasons possibly in a way they're being seen kind of thing yeah look it's not my area of expertise um but yeah, I, I think attention is attention from <laughs> all angles, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so. you, you know the way you were kind of saying about um, like the, the mom or the dad or whoever provides. So like I presume kids in a supermarket's a pretty terrible idea, is it, for the food shop or how um, does that work? Look, generally, yeah, it depends. I would generally probably not bring my kids to the supermarket. Sometimes I do out of necessity um and usually it's actually fine but it depends I would say it depends on the child so if you find you're going to the supermarket they're having tantrums because you're not picking up certain foods that they're asking for then it's probably easier to just not bring them to Mm -hmm. be honest because it probably is kind of like um what's the word like you know stimulus overload isn't it for them probably with all Probably depends on the child. So if you have a child who's fearful of food, then they might not be quite happy to be in that environment. And if you have a child who has an excessively high appetite and is overweight for their age, then again, you know, it's probably going to cause other problems in terms mm-hmm. of tantrums and things. It, I think it depends. It's, it's individual, I would say. For that mm-hmm. And do you have any advice on like, you know, the way you'd be doing away great with your kids and then grandparents or... All the additions in the mm. day. There's no real way around that, is there? It's very or... tricky. It's very tricky, to be honest with you, because um, especially as they get older, they're in different environments. So 
look, I think you can only do what, what you can do and it's never going to be absolutely 100% spot on. And, um, you know, so I've kind of, for me, the thing with the grandkid parents is there, it's such a short period of time when you think of it through the year, you know, it might yeah, be a couple of days yeah. a year. So I just let it roll in terms of what happens, happens. But I know for other families, they might have grandparents that are involved in, you know, childcare during the week. And mm-hmm. that might, have, you know, you know, you might see different issues arising in terms of lots of treat foods. And that's just a case of having a conversation, I suppose, around that, mm-hmm. um, which is probably going to be challenging as well. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's so different from when we were growing up, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. I was thinking about this this morning and um like, what age were you when you tasted pizza? <laughs> it was probably about 12 or something. It was, it, I think it was one of your birthdays or my birthdays or someone's. But mm. um, that's mad. And Grania, our friend, she was telling me last week that um, she used to pray every day that McDonald's would open in Drumalee. <laughs> 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 and, like, I remember Kate, her friend, saying as well that, like, you just watch Home Alone for the food, <laughs> you know? Because it was like they ordered pizza yeah. and, you know, the ice cream sundaes. And it's like, yeah. we just, like that was all a dream like to us it's like which is interesting because I suppose like our kids are now growing up along these foods so it's our job to teach them how to you know yeah whereas we didn't have any of that because then we hit college years and we gorged on everything we could get well this is it because that's what that's that's what I'm always telling my clients as well like it's here now we have to navigate it like yeah. it's not an option to say I won't get takeaway yeah. or I won't eat chocolate that's yeah. just not an option no. no in the year 2021 or whatever like no. you know so it's like I suppose that's 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 a new generational thing for parents now that our parents mm. didn't really yeah have absolutely to... and I, I suppose it goes back to the expectations like we I often think this that we had no issue with the whole repeated exposure because we just got the same food <laughs> for 20 years. yeah exactly <laughs> beef spud carrot peas whatever whereas nowadays you know they're expected to have curry or chicken fajitas and you know, such a range of foods, which can be great for some kids and maybe not so great for other kids. You know, it's a lot in one go. It's a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But some kids might love that. They, they might love that they get different things through the week. And, um, sometimes what's cooked is something that they like and sometimes it's not. And that's kind of tough, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God, that's really cool and interesting. Is there any kind of Final piece of information you wish parents knew or worried less about or anything. I think, look, go back to um, if, if look, like, like I say, all these kind of things that I've talked about trying to avoid to do, we all do them at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Parenting is hard enough then for somebody else to come along and say, don't, don't, do, don't this. do this. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, so I think if you, if, if what's your, what you're doing with feeding your children is working for you, then that's fine. There's no need to change anything. But if you feel that you dread every meal time, um, that there's lots of meltdowns, that meal times are just not enjoyable, then maybe think of some of those approaches. Um, think of the bigger picture in terms of what you want to achieve, mm-hmm. and that there is a choice that you don't necessarily have to. It's not your job basically to have to sit through every meal nagging your child to eat. You don't need to do that, and it's probably not really going to achieve anything um in the long term so there is different approaches and 
Ellen Satter website will give you a lot of information that you need to know. That's cool. God, I think that thing you said about the chef was nuts though, because it's kind of like, even if you were in like the Shard or some amazing five-star place and the food was yeah. so amazing, if the chef came out and said, finish it, finish it, that would just literally cancel it out. Like yeah. just all positive experiences gone. Yeah, their trip advisor rating will go down. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Okay, so thanks so much, Katrina, and Thank thanks, Ava, as well. She's such a good baby through the whole thing. My gorgeous goddaughter, so <laughs> proud. Um, okay, and thanks for listening, everyone, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.